Hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond, and this is a show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zones. Today, I am chatting with a return guest, Bart DeVries. Bart first appeared on the show back in episode 45, so if you want a bit more background about him, make sure to head on over to that episode to check it out. But To give you a little bit of a rundown, Bart is a physiotherapist behind Limba, a small Wellington-based company on a mission to make healthy, high-performance behaviours the default at work. And designed through a collaboration of health professionals and technologists, the Limba Studio is a beautiful, fast-moving, sustainably made and flexible sit-stand kneel workstation that creates a space-efficient office geared for collaboration. So that's a little bit of a mouthful, but today basically our conversation is about movement and how our environments aren't really set up to optimize or even kind of give us adequate movement that our bodies need during the day. This is a nifty solution to help with that problem and and help set up our environment in a way that is is healthier for our body and also does, does make things a little bit more productive while we are at work. So Bart and I chat a lot about movement, but also we chat about the challenges that it takes to to develop a product, to bring it to market, to grow and scale a business whilst trying to do all of that sustainably. Uh, so there's a lot of uncomfortable times that we, we talk about today. If you guys enjoy this conversation, make sure to share it out, tell your mum, spread the word on social media, go and check out the limber workstation it's it's pretty cool uh there's a, a short video of it and some pictures of it on uh, the uncomfortable is okay instagram and facebook pages as well for you to check out if you want to support the show make sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app uh, leave a rating and review because that really does help us get into more ears get into more heads and helps more people step out of their comfort zones But with all of that being said, thank you guys so much for getting uncomfortable with Bart and I today. Bart, welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast, mate. Thank you. uh, It's been a little while since we caught up last. But my first question for you is, what is a movement evangelist? A movement evangelist is someone who screams about the benefits of movement from the rooftops. Someone who's obsessed about helping people move, get more movement in their life, and feel the benefits and the impacts of that on their health and well-being and their own performance of day-to-day. Yeah, I really like the term, by the way. It kind of warms the cockles of my heart, <laughs> heart I think. But how, does, how do you come to be a movement evangelist and why do, you, why do you classify yourself as one? I came to see the benefits of movement just through my day-to-day work as a physio. When I was physioing and, and bringing people back to sport or even to work with the, with the contracts that we're doing, we were... Every day you're able to see the impacts that it has on their general happiness, the general feeling of being able to participate in their life, and then the joy of getting back to the activities that they want to be back in. When I started working with people who were had persistent pain or mental health challenges, the benefits just started to stack up even more and more and more. And seeing the, the sedentary life that we are more and more involved in and have having friends that are getting into fitness getting into physical activity in a big way for the first time and just the change in their lives has been huge so i think it comes from me experiencing my friends and some of my clients seeing their lives change with movement um, and then 
wanting to find ways that we can integrate movement and other healthful healthy behaviors into our lives more inherently i completely agree with you around the benefits of of movements and i think i mean there's a lot of science out there that proves that it's great not just for for the physical health but for your for your mental and your emotional health as well like as as you were saying as a society we live a pretty sedentary lifestyle now Mm. or a or a very sedentary lifestyle interspersed with bouts of high intensity interval training or or something similar which is is kind of the mind boggles a little bit to think that you undo the effects of 40 hours a week sitting down at a at a computer by going and doing three high intensity interval trainings a week or even what the Ministry of Health suggests or the World Health Organization suggests in terms of what is it 150 or 180 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a week which is don't get me wrong it's much better than nothing yeah, it's like 20 minutes a day of walking yeah yeah but it's not it's not something i really would consider classify for myself as as exercise but yeah. for some people it for some people it's going to be totally and i think that's part of it you know like the likes of a 20 minute walk a day is actually something to achieve but that is kind of just getting our head above water and if we want to be swimming and thriving in the day-to-day life, then we want to be looking at that as the first step on the channel of pushing our bodies mm. to performance. Yeah, and like, this is a this is a pretty meta question, but <laughs> why do you think that that has kind of become the norm, that it's acceptable to move so little? I think the world has changed so much. We've got so many things that have drastically shifted in our day-to-day lives over the past hundred years alone and if we we simply haven't kept up with the adaptation that's needed to make sure that we're thriving as well and so we find ourselves in a situation where general health is declining quite rapidly simple things like the shift to the digital economy make computers working from desks and fixed environments these are relatively new things to the human body and as we've adapted with to the like the benefits of those things that we've we've received as a species we are starting to realize the downfalls of those as well and we're kind of going through this balancing or rebalancing act at the moment of harnessing all that's good about these new things these new technologies that we've got and setting up our environments and setting up our workspaces and the places where we living and playing all day to help our personal health and our personal performance on a daily yeah yeah and i think i I agree with with that i mean it's hard to keep up with the pace of change at the moment in terms of kind of all of the all of the stuff that is that is going on and like we live a much more convenient life than we used to as well as that i mean you sit all day at work and then you jump in your car and drive to the gym and then sit sit on a machine (laughs) while you read a magazine and uh, then you drive home and have dinner and then sit on the sit on the couch and watch netflix as you know we're pretty like we're creatures of comfort i mean we're we've evolved to try and expend as little energy as as possible that we we try to conserve our energy for the times that we were under threat or the times that we needed it and it's very rare that we're under a physical threat any longer and also we don't have the the scarcity of of food resources that we used to as well so the purity of food resources it is that's also true Mm. that's also true you you talked about setting up your environment Mm. to try and facilitate better health 
And I know, I mean, we're sitting here in front of one of the ways that you're you're doing that. And obviously, uh, this is an audio podcast, so people can't see this, but I will take a picture of it and post it up later. Do you want to have a chat to us about the about your desk here? Yeah. And so kind of where the, where the concept came about for it. Totally. So I, I got obsessed with physical environments and movement and the impact that physical environments have on our behaviors. So much so, I, was, I got so interested in business culture and team culture within sports teams particularly and within our uh, working environments. And I really wanted to find ways to help people move more. And so I started looking, trying to look for the most obvious ways to do that and where we could potentially have the most impact. And with everyone needing to rely on computers for our livelihoods, for our money, for our fun, that seemed like the most logical start. Because I, I shifted out of physio and I was working in the business world and I was working off my laptop from these fixed desks and I'd come off, you know, a, my experience had been physio, I'd been playing sport at a high level and I was pretty attuned to my body, moving every day, working it in different ways and I felt my body just tightening up. I was like, oh, this is incredibly ironic. Maybe you should try and have a look, see if there's something out there. So I had to look for something better. I wanted to set my environment up. I found a bunch of people who had done some hacking and created their own kind of stuff, but there was nothing really out there that did all the things I wanted to do. And that was mainly utilize the vertical space that we've got if we're at a desk in front of a computer screen you can't really go sideways much further it's not like mm. you can work and do sidestepping all day you can people have got treadmills that they put under their desks and they can walk forwards on a treadmill but ultimately there's this vertical space to the roof and all the way down to the floor that's pretty unutilized when we've got a fixed height desk research that's been coming out about the benefits or the importance of our ability to go from standing to sitting on the ground i had a, a number of ideas i wanted to make a desk that could do all those things, go from standing to sitting to kneeling on the ground. And I brought in a team of friends who are engineers, architects, designers, and I said, hey, I want a thing to do this. It needs to go from sitting, standing, kneeling, all the way up into the ground. It needs to be super quick so it's never in the way of anyone. And it needs to be made sustainably in a way that won't hurt the environment long term. And so we did it. We met up every week for an hour and we started designing this thing. And this is, you know, over two and a half or three three and a bit years ago actually now and we every week it got better and we made 20 odd different prototypes and now we're sitting in front of one of our latest ones and it is a fully sustainably made wooden desk from birch plywood which has been sustainably forested it goes from sitting to standing to all the way down to the ground in less than a second and back up again in less than a second it's made with old school engineering techniques that won't break and if it does break it's super easy to fix we just wanted to make something that was really really quality would last forever and would help you move if you rely on a on a computer screen for your livelihood and i think we've done it i'm pretty stoked <laughs> yeah like it's a good looking piece of equipment actually why was it so important for you to have it go all the way down to the floor the floor environment is just such a rich movement environment and it's completely underutilized. It's also historically an important environment for our bodies. Cultures around the world still rely or use the floor as a, a primary environment for positive postures and movement, Asian cultures particularly. Uh, and even out in the Pacific, in the Pacific Islands, you still see squatting as, and floor postures as a key environment for their movement. The impact that it has on our ankles, our knees, our hips, our spinal stability, to be able to function on the ground, sit on the ground, squat, kneel, crouch, you know, sit with your legs next to each other, sit cross-legged, actually requires quite a lot of bodily function. 
I personally don't have access to most of that anymore because of the hockey that I've played over my life and the sports that I've done and then the environments that I've sat in since you know since school so I'm still working my way back to make those postures comfortable but they are incredibly beneficial to longevity through life that's been shown and our function and our ability to move through life I think those are that's kind of the key things that the ground or the floor postures can can provide also with it's such a complex movement we forget that how difficult mm. going from standing to sitting on the ground is and that requires balance that requires you know proprioception it requires our strength and power and flexibility and so if we can do that on a daily basis we're going to upregulate our nervous system we're going to maintain our body our joints our muscles our, our ligaments and we're going to keep ourselves in good stead but also with that upregulation of the nervous system you're keeping yourself alert and awake uh, and in a good state to make decisions and solve problems and I mean, just for the people listening as well, it's a great way test to see kind of where you're at with a lot of those things, flexibility, balance, strength. Yep. Can you get down into one, can you get down into a deep squat or mm. or can you get on and off the floor without using your hands? Yep. Um, and I think last time we caught up, actually, you pointed me in the direction of a study yep. uh, that predicted mortality in yeah, regards pretty, to that pretty grim study yeah <laughs> but um yeah I, I it's a funny one i try not to mention it too much even though it's a it's like the gold standard of the study Mate, this it's is grim. this is but an it's uncomfortable a... <laughs> podcast so go for it well it, it studied 2000 people mixed gender between the ages of 50 and 70 and it found and it the, the only test was start in standing go to sitting on the ground and cross-legged and then come back up into standing and do that movement twice. It's, you start with 10 points and for every, for every hand touch on the ground or knee touch or side of your shin bone if you're using that to push yourself up or using your hands on your knees to push yourself up, every one of these different types of cheats, you could say, is a loss of a point. A big sway, for instance, is a loss of half a point if you lose your balance. And they tracked them for I think on average six years but upwards of that as well and there was a direct correlation between the results that they got in their initial test and how soon they died so mm. you can see the relevance of movement and when we get older we can see that correlated through into falls and hip fractures and these other things that we know quite a lot about and the impacts on our quality of life as we get older as well and so if you have that ability to move and to be able to go from standing to sitting on the ground and back up again that's just telling us that you're you've got a high functioning body your balance is on point your strength and your flexibility is there that if you get a little bit of a knock or push sideways or you have to jump out of something quickly you've got the physical capacity to do that yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that really sell themselves short in terms of that physical capacity and kind of reaching their physical potential as well. I mean, a, a lot of it does come from health professionals. Yeah. The amount of time that I I hear people saying, oh, you can't do that anymore because you're getting older, <laughs> which is absolute such a yarn eh? it's just bullshit really <laughs> <laughs> but people you can't do that anymore because you've stopped doing Don't it and you haven't done it for the last two and a half years and your body isn't isn't used to it and yeah, yeah. You, you might not be able to do it like you could when you were 16 anymore yeah. but if you work at it it doesn't mean that that you can't get back to doing these things or or at least make significant improvements and it's like it's something that's really that really frustrates me as well is that that people do sell themselves quite short in regards to their health and yeah. and their movement based on just a lot of things that 
people have told them and people in yeah. authority or people oh. that they believe and that's what society believes as well oh man and you see it with lots of different things you know where we have, there's all sorts of concern about different especially in the medical world beliefs that we've been told or fed or you know some things that the science has got wrong you might look at fat as one of those examples and but movements no no other but i think the, the basics it comes down to some of these fundamentals if you don't use it you lose it mm-hmm. uh, our body is a is a habit of creature of habit and our physical body is no different it adapts incredibly an insane piece of technology you could say changes as you change based on what you need it to do and so if you're putting it in environments where you're not moving or you're limiting your range of motion then your body's going to tighten up into that because that's what you're training it to do and it's doing that as a beneficial thing it's trying to set you up in this posture or in this movement that you're doing a lot of because it thinks that that's what your body needs and that side of the body and its ability to adapt and to change based on what you do is incredible and and just as you've adapted into a certain body which might be stiff or might have immobility you can quite easily or just as easily adapt out of it difference being that you just have to change what you're doing or as we've tried to do make it a default make the environment that you're in movement default make it you know an environment which becomes one that takes you through full range of movement because it's set up that way it doesn't limit your range of motion or restrict you if you think of chairs for instance they sit they put us in these mid-range positions which are quite easy easy and comfortable they've got no stress on any of the joints they're all in these easy mid-ranges well yeah if we removed a chair from the equation and you went from sitting on the floor to standing that you're forcing your body to go through a range of motion that is beyond what you would have if you had a chair in that middle state. Mm. I'm not saying remove chairs. Chairs are still an important part of the workplace, but there is this ideology in behind that of how do we set our environments up to be movement rich. And I've been I've been having a lot of conversations with people around kind of habits and environmental setups yeah, recently. And cool. uh, actually, the podcast that comes out the week before yours is with James Clare, who's just got a book out called Atomic Habits, and it's all about part of it's about kind of setting up your environment for for success and to make it easier to to facilitate that habits. And I mean that's what I like about about the stuff that you're doing as well. As you said, it's simple to make your body adapt Mm. again and back to what it was what you could do before or back Mm. towards it but the challenging thing with it is it's not a quick process it's something that i mean you're you're finding that at the moment it's something that takes years to come back from what's happened it's not a not a quick process i'd say to go either direction getting to a point of stiffness isn't a quick process either no 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 so you've got this i think it's an expectation thing that we need to help people understand around the time it takes for change to occur but if you do things regularly if you do them daily then things start to shift and your body starts to adapt and that's where the more we can get an environment or create an environment where these movement patterns are the default and they don't require us to make a mental decision so we don't have to go you know i'm going to be healthy right now and sit on the ground or i'm going to go up to standing because it's the healthy thing to do if we can start to look at our environments in a way in which that is a default movement rather than a decision-making process. So you start to feel uncomfortable, you shift your position, you change your posture because of that discomfort a little bit, and then you shift it to something else which will be comfortable for a little bit and will start to grow Mm. some discomfort, and then you shift it again, shift it again. And over time, through those changes and through that increase in posture, you will posture variance, you'll start to adapt, as your body will start to adapt automatically. If we can take that decision-making process out of it, the better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
you're trying to, to change people's environments, especially kind of in the, in the business and kind of corporate setting. Yeah. Like, what sort of response have you had from people? Has it been overwhelmingly positive response? Or I, I imagine that there's a few people that are a bit weirded out by this concept and doing things yeah. Dif- differently. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's part of the business journey is kind of is understanding that question. And there's certain business environments where we don't even mention the ability to go to the floor. It's just one of the things that the desk can do. Mm-hmm. But the other benefits of our design is that it moves so quickly and it has the screen mounts, the monitor mounts attached to it. So you can have the screen up at a more convenient height than looking down at your laptop or your screen download and it has single double monitor mounts as well then on top of that you've got all of the engineering uptakes that we've we've done which is which means it shouldn't break and we haven't had one that's broken yet because there's just nothing to break there's no electronic motors or electrics Mm. or anything like that it's just a counterweight and a sash cord and so we talk to businesses in different ways one we talk to them about the speed and the, the shape of them we've got a triangular or petal shape we've created which means that takes up half a space of a normal desk and with companies and the cost of space these days that's becoming quite important to people who are buying furniture the other thing is it's made sustainably and it's made here in New Zealand so people are supporting local businesses and there's a direct transparency on all of the parts of our products we just found out Friday in fact that we have our caster wheels are made in New Zealand as well so that's that's always a nice part of the story as well but the movement aspect going to the floor there is a a group of people that are really into that and those Mm. are kind of the people who go to CrossFit the people who are yogis the people Mm. who who have a history of floor sitting as well for the big corporates that's not one of the the key value props that they're interested in yeah they're interested in some of these other ones yeah you're a a relatively new business as well yeah Um, so I'm I'm imagining that you probably still have quite a few challenges that are going on at the moment I mean what are the what are some of the biggest ones that you've faced getting into business I think the the challenge in the early years is expectation setting around where you're wanting your product to get to what you're Mm. wanting to do and the team that you're building as well We've had a number of people that have been helping us at the start get this this design up and running and get this desk working. And now it's consolidated on, on that side. And there's me pushing the, the design developments and, and engaging our designer on a monthly basis. And then we have, on the other side, you've got this whole production challenge to figure out, which is how to make desks at scale or consistently as, as a company that's mm. starting. So hurting people to do the things that you need them to do and to progress your product along is one of the big challenges I'd say and doing that in a timely fashion so customers are are happy I'd say that's one and then the other one at the start of a business is always cash flow making sales and we are a cash flow driven company we need cash flow to make the updates and progress as we need so so one of my many jobs is to head out and, and make sales and meet people and talk to them about what we've done and what we've created and what we're wanting to do and get people on board on the mission yeah, very cool. I mean, what one of the things you mentioned there was around expectations mm. and kind of setting expectations. And I don't know, I don't know how you f- how you feel about it, but I always find that well, not always, but I often find that I set the expectation, my short term expectations, mm. quite high. Mm. And then when you don't go ahead and hit them, it's obviously a pretty frustrating thing to yep. to happen. Long term expectations probably less kind of create less anxiety around them because one they're further away but also maybe 
I'm a little bit more realistic in my long-term expectations than my, oh, I can get all this, this stuff done yeah. in the next two weeks. Yeah. Is yeah. that a problem that you've had as well? I think that's inherently human. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we, uh, on average, people always overestimate the short-term and underestimate the long-term. It's a tricky thing. We've looked at different processes around setting our goals and, and what we are trying to achieve. Instead of having strict timelines and deadlines that we're wanting to hit, we go for what more it's called more of an agile format where we look at try to map out all of the different things we've got to do, prioritize them, and then tick the top one off as quickly as we can uh, and then reflect on it every few weeks to see where we've got to and what we've improved on. It's, it seems to me like a lot more of a healthy process because mm. there's so many variables in our lives that it's hard to account for the time that something's going to take. And often when you're in the start of a business, there's a lot of tasks that are new to you because you're having to do everything. And so we've actually got no way of understanding how long something's going to take. So trying to put a number on it becomes redundant. Mm. <laughs> so we, uh, we've, we've gone around that by not putting numbers or timelines on it as such put rough estimates on it and then we communicate when things are going off that estimate and why but we all know that those are rough estimates and we trust in that we're all putting 100% effort in and doing our darndest to get these these tasks going because they mean a lot to the business and and if they're going too or even quicker than that's great if they're going slower then there's usually a reason and there's usually something we've missed so we'll learn a lot more through that process mm. as well and then when you hit it and you reflect on it and you're like all right we did this it's taken this long here's why yeah it becomes more of a generative process rather than something that is demotivating because that's a hard that's one of the hard things as well there's so many moments at the start of a business where you're like man is this really worth it like does anyone actually care and setting up again a, a, a cultural environment where you are being realistic about the validation that you're getting and being critical of it, but also maintaining the confidence of yourself and your team to know that you are making the right decisions and it's worthwhile continuing. Yeah, yeah. and it, that's a, it's a tightrope to walk sometimes totally. uh, with, with that. And I think like, I like the way that you approach the, the setting the expectations as well, because I mean, if you set the time or you set a date and you don't hit that then that knocks your motivation and knocks your yeah. um your confidence and your ability to achieve these these things as well you also mentioned reflection there as well and have you always been someone that has been prone to to reflection or is this something that you've had to develop as you have as oh, you come further into business no i think that's something that i have done previous to business just through the physiotherapy stuff that we've done and uh just through some of my own personal practices but it's something that I see being done really well in tech companies with the processes that they have around mm. their team rhythms and their timings. And it's just such a fundamentally important part of being a human and progressing that trying to incorporate and ingrain reflection into yourself, but also the processes and the rhythms of your business is important to innovation and to productivity and to general health, I think. What does it look like practically for you? So in the business? Or, yeah. yeah. So in the business, it's reflecting with our designers and reflecting with our manufacturing every, every month and doing a look at the work that we've done to date. When we, what was it, what do you mean, a couple of months ago now? So that happens monthly-ish. You know, these things are very kind of malleable because it's a starting company. Don't have a date on them. Yeah. And we try to do, like with other companies as well, but with our one, we've, we've had an away day where we gone away as a small team and spend a day thinking about what we've done to date celebrating that a little bit mm. and then also looking at like what are the things we want to achieve next to buck it up 
you know the goodness of what's been done already and mm. and reflect on the positive sides of that because you know as humans we're pretty quick to jump to negatives often yeah. and we're focusing on the problems all of the time because we want to get better but you've got to have that break in the loop to go actually we've done a lot mm. what we've created is beautiful and it does exactly what we want it to do and people are loving it and you've got to have these moments where you can sit there and be like yeah this is this feels good and this is pretty awesome and then embark on the next run yeah 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 it's nice to it's nice to do that celebration how does that process differ to the reflection that you do in your personal life or is it pretty similar I'd say those away days are probably less often (laughs) at the moment (laughs) I wish there was more away days yeah I I meditate I'm a a fan of it and I've done some uh, retreats and whatnot in the past that have made a huge difference in my internal processes my ability to reflect and as well as to kind of isolate some of the challenges in my own personal life yeah what sort Um, of meditation do you do i do vipassana which is like a it's a 10 day you go and do a 10 day Mm. retreat and you learn the technique and it's basically a a technique of focusing your body on the sensation of the breath initially Mm -hmm. and then going deeper on that you're focusing your body your attention on the sensations that you feel throughout your body so it's a it's a a meditation of focus trying to focus your mind on specific areas and focus your mind on basically a specific task that you want it to do and training it to do that and also training it to be more aware of sensations or emotions that are cropping up and being able to notice them earlier and articulate them earlier so that you can manage your energy uh, a little bit better so you're not not tipping off the richter and, and getting incredibly low or getting frustrated or irritable yeah. um, and you're able to notice when you're starting to tip that take a few breaths separate yourself from it and understand figure out what is driving that so you can solve what's driving those emotions rather than let those emotions drive you and i mean that's uh, the more self-awareness that you can have in in those situations yeah that the, the better and that kind of the easier you can yeah pull back from the edge yeah and pull back from that tipping point one of the i guess one of the other things we do actually that's probably worth mentioning is this thing called check-ins which is a really awesome little tool which people often do before meetings and in businesses we're doing it in our production side with our production team uh, and we do it with pete our designer as well which is basically checking in before you're about to embark on a task or embark on some work together in the start of the day going how are you feeling <laughs> what's what's mm. been happening and it's basically a chance to vent and say what you're going to need to say or check in with you know what your current state is mm. and it's a just a, a short little five minute thing or sometimes might go 10 minute thing at the start of the day to go right this is where i'm starting from today i'm starting from absolute positivity and i'm into this and i've got all energy and i just can't wait stop like stop talking to me let me work <laughs> to like you know i got dumped yesterday and my feeling like i shouldn't even be here you get to understand where people are at at the start of a day and at the end of the day people do it as well and you get to set yourself up for whatever it is you need to do mentally and emotionally and also if you know if, if there's something really rough going on the rest of the team can understand it so that they can be there to support and create that environment of support amongst your peers so that you're not feeling isolated at work or not feeling like uh, you've just got to deal with some of the stuff on your own you know someone else is having a rough time you might go out of your way to make them a cup of tea and that could just be the thing that changes their mindset or makes them feel that little bit better and, and be able to be comfortable at work. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, like 
as we were talking about before, it's kind of setting up your environment for that to happen and yep. like creating the process around it is is a thing that needs to needs to happen that it so it happens every day and totally. you guys end up getting better because of that. Yep. But I've got some questions that I like to ask everyone towards the end of the chat. The first is what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? I think the last uncomfortable thing I did was email a co-founder of a previous business that I, that I was involved in to organize our agreement for separating or moving energies in different ways. And that was a tricky thing. I dealt with it by having a conversation with them and thinking about it a lot and putting it in, in writing and articulating it as best as I could and hitting send. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the outcome of that was uh, all A-OK? Oh, it's been great. To me, it's been a, a wonderful experience of that. Like you hear of the horror stories and mm. like that kind of stuff. We haven't had anything like that. So it's been, it's more of a wanting to be clear, wanting to respect each other, uh, wanting to make sure that we are feeling good about it and wanting to give it the justice that that requires. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? <laughs> I'm going to speak to 80-odd startup people on a Thursday night for an hour and a half and do a bit of a workshop around Limba and around the stuff, the work that I've been doing over the last few years. And that scares the shit out of me because it's it's the first, it'll be one of the kind of the one of the first times that I've had to do like a, a probably an in-depth workshop around that stuff. And... And you just never know. And being in front of eighty people just is never it's never not scary. Yeah, yeah. All the the beady eyes on you. Eh? You'll be you'll be sweet, mate. You'll be sweet. Just pretend you're talking into one of the podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, we've we've talked a bit about it. A few different ways that you mm. approach uncomfortable situations. But do you have any other strategies that you use? I think the first strategy I use is have used and, and shifted to using is really respecting and wanting to understand the discomfort or the uncomfortableness mm -hmm. and so the first thing is embracing the uncomfortable and all it can teach you and trying to use that as a way to learn more about myself so that's mm -hmm. like kind of the first mindset thing and then outside of that to me a big part of that is then having a, a support network of friends and family that understand the position that you're in or putting yourself in and, and the discomfort that you're feeling so that it's not something you're doing on your own and it's something that you've got a peer support network mm. that are understanding of your situation. Yeah, and is that something that you've had to cultivate yourself? Should, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's not something. People just don't figure that out unless you tell them. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> there's also there could be all sorts of stuff going on inside, but unless we communicate it, no one else knows. Mm. Yeah, it's <laughs> it very true, mate. It's very true. And this youngish Kiwi males, it's not always our uh, strong point either. No, I think it's it's a it's a huge thing that um, I have had to learn, and I'm still learning, and I I don't think I'm that good at it, mm. but I think that where I've got to it's helped me immensely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if we can make that, you know, as, as pe make under people understand how good that is, and we can get more people around the country doing that, especially men, I think it'll do wonders for our personal health and our well-being. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. But got two more questions for me, mate. Um, sure. But I just want to say thank you so much for uh, spending the time sitting down with me this morning on some mid-range seats. We do have you. We've got your sweet, sweet desk though in front of us. And uh, I, I also wanted to say thank you as well for making it easier for people to to move. 
yeah. in today's society as well. I think, like as we discussed, it's a super important thing to be be doing for your health and your and your well being. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very appreciative of that as well with my physiotherapy hat on too. My first question for you though, Bart, is if people want to find out more about the stuff that you're up to and want to mm. support you or want some desks. Yeah, how do they how do they do that? Easiest way is through our website, which is www.getlimber.nz. So, get as in G E T and limber L I M B E R dot N Z. There's a whole bunch of info on there about our limber workstation or our limber studio, and you also get a sneak peek at the stool as well, which we're uh, which is there and up and running. So that's easiest. Otherwise, just email me Bart at getlimber.nz. Sweet. But slightly harder question for you now, mate. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? I think the challenge is to see if you can spend 30 minutes sitting on the floor in your lounge while you're doing some of the stuff that you'd usually do sitting in a couch. See how that goes. Yeah, I like that as a challenge. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today, mate. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. There you have it team, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Bart and I. You probably can tell how passionate I get when I'm talking about movement and uh, how we need to move. We definitely don't do it enough and I mean this workstation is a pretty cool way to just set up our environment to make it a little bit easier for us to move during the day while we're doing what we need to be doing at work. So go and check them out, they're a cool company, they make a pretty cool sustainable product, see if it's for you. But if you want to support the podcast, as I said at the start, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, leave us a review, hopefully a good one. If not, then at least a constructive one would be sweet. What can I do better on this? I want to take a minute to thank all of you for listening today. It's always a pleasure to have a chance to sit down and share some time with people from all over the world. A special hello to all my listeners in the Isle of Man. Over the last couple of months, you have been like the third biggest market for the podcast, actually. The third biggest number of listeners outside of New Zealand and the US. You've even surpassed the the Aussie listeners. So what's up, guys, in the Isle of Man? I might have to invest in coming over to to visit you all at some point because I've never been. And uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go. I've gone off track there, but uh, thank you as well to Jailan editing the podcast. It sounds a lot crisper with you behind that than it did with me. Thank you to my brother, Jeremy Desmond, for the amazing theme music. And thanks to everyone for going out and getting uncomfortable today. See you on Friday. Friday.